welcome back to episode 11 of the Line to Game podcast. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Hello, everybody. I uh, just want to remind everybody, if you could like, listen, rate, review, all that good stuff, share this podcast, we would really appreciate it. Five stars only on those ratings. Uh, and this, uh, this week, we're going to be taking a look back at uh, week 10 of the NFL season and, and a look ahead to week 11. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for this one, Mike. Not so excited about my bets from this week, but I'm excited uh, excited to talk here. Well, I'd like to um, to be honest with you about this. I messed up on my bets. I was calculating some stuff because me and my wife are going to compete. Not compete, really, but we're going to... She bet all the games this week. I'm going to bet all the games this week. Just the winners, just money lines. Okay. And then figure out... Like who, who does better? Who job. does better? Her stuff's just random. I like this team. I like Panthers better than right. Browns. I don't even know what a Brown is. I like, like this that color kind of stuff. versus that color. Exactly. Yeah. And I tried to use some you know, like logic based on what I know about oh, the so game. Oh, so she's definitely winning that. Uh, that's my point, right? Yeah. I'm really trying to prove that point. Um, but while I was calculating the the bets, the payout essentially, I realized that in all of my bets, my wins, I didn't account for. The hundred dollars that I put down that I got back. So oh. I was counting that was actually being subtracted. Okay. From the amount. Right. So I re- Okay, I, so yeah, what, what are you at then? You so I recalibrated and after this week, well after last week I should say, I'll get into this week. After last week I was up four hundred and sixty six dollars and fifty nine cents. In the positive, nice. In the man. positive. I've been for the positive for quite some time. Okay. If it wasn't for my horrible week last week trying to like really find some value, I was up eight sixty six the previous week. So it's a little bit now I can be a little bit more conservative and yeah. I can you know, these weird bundles that I'm throwing together or parlays, I don't necessarily right. need to do that. So okay. We'll see. Well, I'm not chasing value, but that's good to know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes true. moving forward. I'm, I have a feeling that as soon as you start talking money line parlays, <laughs> the, the people's faces just go blank as they're listening. So, so um, all right, well, let's, let's jump right uh, into yeah, it. Let's, yeah, let's get to it. You want to go? You go first. Yeah, I'll just run through my four here real quick. I have I had Seattle, the Seattle money line at Tampa. The game oh. was actually in Munich. Um, it was plus one forty. Obviously, I lost that one. Um, really rough kind of game. Grass yeah, I mean, the Seahawks up. didn't show up till the second half and yeah, know, kind yeah. of made it close. Yeah, we'll talk more about that, them. but yeah. yeah, it was a little disappointing. Tough uh, game, yeah. tough game. I had also a two-team parlay, two-team money line parlay, Denver at Tennessee, took the Tennessee money line, and uh, Indiana at Las Vegas, took the Las Vegas money line. So, yeah. Lost that game. Lost the second leg in that. Ugh. Really disappointed. They were coming. They were working their way down at the end of that game. I thought maybe we can see some magic, but that didn't work out. Uh, my third game was Arizona money line at uh, the Rams. I nailed that one. So plus uh, one thirty-eight, and then the Dallas money line at Green Bay. I just flat out lost that one. Uh, hit the over though, forty-two and a half, and then obviously my my final leg. Um, Washington at Philly didn't go very well for me. Uh, my team is finally off their undefeated season. So there you go. So where, where what was your accumulation for the week? Then? So I lost $62 total. I'm still in the, in the green or the black, as it were. Um, $404.59. Boom. So we're, we're there. All right. So I came into this Blue week. Blue skies ahead. 
Yeah, I came into this week at 300, uh, up 300 on the season. Not bad. But I got, I, you know, I have to go back and recalculate mine too because I'm, I should be saying I'm betting $110 on all of these to win 100. So I got to go back. Like I'm definitely not at $300. Like I'm probably at like 220 or 230 or something. So uh, from here on, I'll, I'll go back and, and recalculate that uh, this week and have the, the exact number for you guys for next week. Um, but anyway, on to this, uh, on to this week's uh, or this past week's games that I decided to bet on. I hope none of you uh, listened to me on much of this. Uh, I, so I had Chicago. I certainly didn't. I had Chicago minus three at home against Detroit. I thought this was so this would have been my bet of the week if if uh if i had a bet of the week but uh th- this was terrible like, did not go my way chicago i i still am not really sure how this how chicago blew this game um uh, what's his name fields had another amazing game it was just yeah just terrible for me I, I i was like oh man i got that one in the bag like i always do that and then like whatever on a uh, red zone the guy always comes on he's like oh we've reached the witching hour the la- that last hour of uh kind of whenever all the games go to the fourth quarter and just craziness ensues on those the the early round of games so uh hey so i lost that one had cowboys minus four and a half at green bay thought this this one looked like it was in the bag too, was man. Was in the bag, and, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, Mike McCarthy, man, it's just I, I terrible coach. The funny thing about this is the two games that I had in that parlay: this Dallas Green Bay, and then the Washington Philly. I, I couldn't have been more sure, right, that I had those money lines nailed. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd think the money line on Dallas would have been a surefire winner. But Green Bay comes back and uh, gets that win. Um, and then my third leg, or my third third uh, bet that I made this last week was the New York Giants minus five uh, at home against Houston, which was a winner. So I was uh, one and two, so I'm down, I guess, like $120 on the – or no, sorry. Yeah, I'm down $120 on the week. Not bad. Not bad, I guess. Yeah. You hate to be down, but – what are you going to do? Yep. All right. Well, let's get into these observation, our observations a little bit more. Talk about the games individually. So this week we had Cincinnati, New England, the New York football Jets, and Baltimore were all on by. So let's start with that Atlanta at Carolina game. This was that Thursday game, right? So you watched it. I didn't watch much of the game considering you know I had a kind of rough week last week. But there was this horrendous play. And I think this is the one you started texting me about. Yeah. Um, where Mariota like falls down and then throws the ball from the ground. I, I guess assuming he can just going to flip it out of bounds and not take a sack. Right. Um, but it gets intercepted. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, it might be time for Desmond Ritter. You mentioned this as well. Yeah, I just, um, I, I, yeah, I watched that game. I actually, I did bet um, like a, like a two, like I think I bet the over because I thought both of those teams sucked so bad that they could get I I bet like a college game for that night I bet Atlanta minus like two but I did a uh, sorry I did a teaser so it brought the I bet the under but it made the under like 43 so I figured there's no way those teams are going over 43 which I think I was right about I was right about my college game but I had um, Atlanta was like minus two and a half so it, it switched that to Atlanta plus three and a half because it gives you six points on the teaser anyway. 
Um, I'm watching the game. Like I'm just like this is that? this has got to be yeah. You guys, I'm sure, but his face is just uh, glossed over, eyes glossed over. Teaser, teaser. Got anyway, it. Anyway, so yeah, I'm watching the game. I it must have been four or five times I saw Mariota ro- roll out and then throw the ball back across the field across his body instead of just running out of bounds or like taking a little five yard gain and, and taking a slide. I was just like. And I think I texted you. If I'm if I'm Arthur Smith, I'm telling Mariota, if I see you throw across your body one more goddamn time, you are not playing anymore for me. So I hope there isn't a lot of interference with the ownership here. But the way I see it, Mariota's always been good for five, six, seven games where you could count on him to be minimize his mistakes, maybe even make a couple of big explosive plays, runs, whatever, and perhaps win you, you know, three or four of those games, right? Right. Um, But not lose it for you. Yeah. I think we're at that mark now. We're into the, he's completely, has no idea where he's at. He's throwing the ball from the the ground. Um, He's fallen down more than any other player in the league. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. At this point, it might be time to play Desmond Ritter. He he can get his reps. There's no pressure. Right. As long as his offensive line can keep him upright, which they look good. The other day I saw they were they were dominating the, the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Their run game is solid, which is great for uh, a new quarterback like that. It seems like the perfect scenario. Right. Yeah, so I, I would, I'd like I would... to see him out there to see what he can do. Me, me too. I would like to see that. Um, you know, I, yeah, I watched a little bit of his, especially last season, watched a little bit of Desmond Ritter, uh, you know, leading that Cincinnati team to the playoffs. Uh, it was, he, I mean, he was exciting, fun to watch. I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like, I would just like to see what he can do in the pros. So There you go. Let's get it. All right, our next game, Seattle at Tampa Bay. Again, this, this game was in Munich. Um, Here's my observations, I guess. Seattle couldn't move the ball in the first half. They just ran 20 plays the entire first half, and they punted five times. Um, With that said, they still had a chance to win in the second half. Seattle opened the second half with a sustained drive, uh, which yielded a field goal. Um, Defense held and got uh, interception in the red zone when they ran that trick play. Um, Wollen got that fit, his fifth pick of the season, mm-hmm. and they wa- they marched right back down to the red zone where they where we fumbled, and it just seems like that point right there was like this swing that we couldn't overcome at that point. Well, and that fumble, it looked like it it, it looked like he was going to run a design quarterback run up the middle, and then it just closed up, so he kind of stopped and like danced around for a second and then just fell down and dropped the ball on his way down yeah it like it hit crazy. his leg he's holding it like a loaf of bread yeah, i mean it was it was i mean that i was just like this is why geno smith hasn't started for the last 10 years so on right? that trick play i would i came in like i think right before halftime maybe at halftime we were down 14 to nothing and they showed this um highlight i guess as they were going into break and it was Tom Brady lined up on the left side of the field as a receiver. Right. And I go, that's odd. And I made a mental note of that. They must have ran a play, and I don't know if you saw it, but they must have ran a play where they were in um, the Wildcat with him lined up on the the side, and they ran the ball. 
Yeah, I didn't even if they did. I I mean it, that was early for us. So I was well, uh, yeah, that's my we point. We had been up late, and, late the night before, and I wonder if that was a setup for this play in the red zone. Right? Yeah, could have been, and it completely backfired. So that yeah. that that was interesting to kind of well, like, and then to see Tom Brady. I guess you can't really trust any tweets anymore because everybody has a blue check mark now, and you can change your name to whatever you want. But um, it's I did see Tom Brady went on and was like, can't oh, change it to something that's already slip, there though. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, he uh, he was like uh, Tom Brady said, if I wouldn't have slipped, I would have been on, or uh, Tariq Woolen would have been on. You got Moss this week or something like that. I was like, Jesus. Well, like you, he was going to go up and high point the but ball. But that's over totally Tariq like a trolling Tom yeah. Brady right. being kind of self-effacing, though, right? Yeah. You didn't take that like no, serious. No. Like he really no, thought. No, I don't. Okay. No, no, but he's still just talking shit, man. It's funny. <laughs> well, that's that's funny for sure. Yeah, thought you would appreciate that. So it's funny because, um, like, there was a point in the game when it was just about time. We were running out of time. We were still moving the ball, but just wasn't enough time. Um, yeah, we we ran as we, we couldn't just we couldn't score enough. We couldn't slow the Tampa Bay offense that was the thing down we just enough couldn't, we yeah we the offense our defense could not get their offense off the field here this is interesting to me and it's a little bit scary um Seattle's 0-3 versus the NFC South that's yeah, I know and the NFC South seems pretty, terrible yeah it's pretty terrible like record wise at least when compared right. to the rest of the NFC including us right so it's interesting yeah I'm uh yeah, I was think actually thinking about that as well, so I'm glad you brought that up. All right, the next one on our docket here is the game of the year. Minnesota at Buffalo. Man, the Buffalo D was bailing 2018 Josh Allen out. Like, I don't know what, you know, what was going on with him. Um, the kicker was killing Minnesota's chances, like missing point after I think he touchdowns. Got, he get, I think he might have gotten cut since that game too. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, no, never mind. I'm thinking of Green Bay's punt returner got cut. Oh, there you go. Never mind. Sorry. All right, so that that was my, the I think, the first three and a half quarters, maybe even first, yeah, first three and a half quarters of observation. And then here I go. I'm going to just read what I wrote in the order that I wrote it. All caps. What, what a catch by Justin Jefferson on fourth and 18, three exclamation points. Holy smokes. What a horrible play call. QB sneak with Cousins came up short, period. Oh, my God. Three exclamation points. Allen fumble. Man, <laughs> that drive just to tie it up. That was the, the Josh uh, Allen fumble to get it, to get him in position for the field goal. Love Buffalo kicker uh, with his eye black. That was odd to have a buff, yeah. like a kicker with the eye black on with the single over the eye. It was very, very strange to see. Um, another great catch. Uh, for Jefferson and OT. And then I said, Welp, fourth red zone inter uh, interception in two weeks uh, for, for Allen ends the game. Minnesota wins. Pretty mm -hmm. much sums it up for me. Yeah, I mean, it was that it back really, and forth. Well, three, really that, exciting. That, that last, yeah, what, eight minutes or seven plus minutes of game time was just insane. I mean, have we crossed? Have we crossed into new territory for Kirk Cousins? Stop! He's he stopped playing super conservative. Like if it wasn't like a massive window, he wasn't going to throw it. It seemed like he just hurled it in the general direction of Jeff, Justin mm -hmm. Jefferson and let him make a play. 
Now, it, yeah, it definitely seemed like that's what he I'll did. tell you, I'll tell you what, if this is something that he carries into the playoffs, he might throw a couple picks. But or not in the playoffs, but the rest of the year, I guess into the playoffs. He might throw a couple picks, but this means something. If he trusts him like that and he's just hurling it downfield. Yeah. Because that's gonna that's gonna be a game change. You're gonna need a play or two like that a game when you play these tough teams. And right now they're right there at the top. Top ten team for sure, probably top eight team in the NFL right now in the Minnesota Vikings. They're gonna need that kind well, of help. And are they tied now with Minnesota or with Philadelphia, I mean? I for... think Philly beat them, right? Oh right, yeah, you're right. That is their They would be they would be loss, se- they would be second in the conference. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, good. Minnesota's looking good, man. I mean, they, yeah, every week I expect Kirk Cousins to, you know, shoot himself in the foot, and he keeps uh, proving me wrong. So we'll see how long that lasts. Well, I, I only challenge that. Proving me wrong, I don't know. He's just not making detrimental mistakes. Well, that's what I'm expecting he, from uh, him. Okay. Though, he, for for him me, to... he's just doing everything that I expect him to do, which is nothing. Okay. Well, I, I'm like expecting him to eventually like lose a couple games in a row for them. Like spaz like out just, and yeah, like fumble it. Right. Or just throw yeah. in a, an insane interception or something at the worst time possible. So. All right. Inter- that was a lot of fun. I will say that was, that was a great game yeah. to watch. I was standing up. I couldn't do my chores. Like it was just like a complete, it was, it was, ma- it was an amazing game. All right, next one. Your favorite game, the Detroit at um, Chicago game. Man, Justin Fields was a story. I'll have more on this later. Goff was throwing the ball well, though, too. Yeah, I mean, Goff has his moments, man, where he, I mean, where he's a capable quarterback for a few quarters in a row. But it just can't, he can't put long-term success together, I don't think. Um, Yeah, I mean, Fields spazzed out in that game. Did you see that touchdown run that he had uh, on the uh, on the goal line where he yeah. kind of ran through the defensive backs and kind of leveled the, yeah, the safety that, in the that end zone? Was insane, man! I just when he threw the interception to Jeff Okuda, though, I was just like, "What are you doing right now?" And like that's that's your former teammate. Like you know, he was they were probably, they were battling all day. Yeah, I mean, Justin was, was running right at him. It, yeah, was, it was pretty fun to watch that fun. too. Um, so. I guess the Detroit, the big story here is Detroit's D came through. I mean, Hutch must have been uh, listening to us talk shit about him over the last couple of weeks and how, like, he was kind of getting tossed around like a rag doll. Right. Uh, came up big in this game. Um, and congratulations to the Detroit Lions, their first road win in two years. So, yeah, Dan Campbell's first road win as a head coach. There you go. Or uh, maybe he won one as an interim coach back when he was with the. Uh, Still not eliminated the Detroit yeah. Lions. Yeah. We'll see. But that's just, yeah, they're tough. <laughs> NFC is not good, man. Uh, I think I think if you get to, I think if you get to, eight losses, nine losses for sure. You're done. It's really you're unless you're yeah. in the the Souths. Right. We'll see. All right. Next game. Did you have anything else to add to that game? No, I just yeah. I mean, it, Justin Fields. It was like Justin Fields giveth and Justin Fields taketh away in that one. Well, I think I think he giveth mostly. Right. Um, he took a big set. Like, he got sacked at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, interse- that, that interception, that interception didn't look terrible. good. You're right. You're right. Um, so, Denver at Tennessee. Ooh, um, I watched every I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rattle this game. off. Russell it. is 3-6 uh, and six and has only scored 110 points all season. This is how quote-unquote, prolific their offense is. 
uh, Russ was just holding onto the ball and just getting crushed towards the end of that game, oh, trying man. to make I that. Lovey, every every I was like, yeah, 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 I was just screaming over here. I'm surprised you couldn't hear me at your place. He finished uh, 21 for 42, 50 percent pass completion, uh, 286 passing yards, one TD, one interception, and six sacks. For 38 yards and those uh those sacks weren't the offensive line he was holding the ball way too long yeah well it's and, and it's really hard unless you i mean i don't know if you have an account did you spring for uh pro football focuses um, plus or whatever Not but yet. you there you can get like quarterback hits and things like that uh, okay. and they, they showed the stat i didn't jot yeah. it down but he was getting hit not just sacks he was just getting pummeled yeah he was getting hit on balls he was getting rid of it yeah. was it was a beautiful sight for us. It was a, a rough Seahawks day fan. for a Denver fan and uh, like a pretty, huh. Well, my brother. This feels good for a Seattle fan. My brother uh, said that he flipped on the the Broncos and Titans game and was like cheering for the Titans. And his son asked him why he was rooting against Russell Wilson. He's like, because he's like, Seahawks lose and we keep winning as long as Russell Wilson loses and because yeah, we're getting their draft pick or whatever. I was like, that's a his son just was like, okay, I like it. <laughs> As a fan, you have to find every yeah, little thing you exactly, can. Exactly, exactly. All right, anything to add to that game? Tennessee, no. I, mean, I mean, solid defense, yeah. ran the ball. Didn't They had they one did flea enough. flicker that yeah. really they, they did. was the I difference mean, they, in the game. These, both of these teams look pretty bad. But, I mean, Den- Denver's got a great defense, so they're going to – Tennessee was what they are, though. They yeah. executed their game plan, which is right. keep Just the keep score down, yeah, run, keep play, and run, play tight defense, maybe get one or two big explosive plays. And watching, like I said, I, well, I so the first half of it, I, I was just watching red zone. And they didn't – the funny thing is they didn't go to that game one time other than Russell Wilson had one, like, 60-plus yard pass to, like, a third-string wide receiver. Um and he that was the only and they just replayed that play because obviously on red zone channel they only show the red zone plays or if there's you know teams getting close to the red zone and they so neither of these teams even got close to the red zone almost until the second half of the game yeah um and so i decided to turn it on and watch it and it, it felt like tennessee was dominating the game just the score didn't look good so all right uh moving on to jacksonville at kc um I didn't have a lot of notes for this. Um, Jacksonville's offensive line, or yeah, offensive line looked bad. Yeah. Um, didn't really move the ball. Couldn't run. You know, Trevor Lawrence made a couple of good plays, which is which is nice to see. Um, but overall, they just couldn't move the ball very well. Their D, however, kept the game competitive. Um, but man, Mahomes is just too much. He's he's yeah. really good. I have a I have a take on watch. quarterbacks later on. In the episode, um, and yeah, I just I, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best. Well, I mean, he's definitely the best quarterback in the game right now. But um, like just the things he can do with the ball, like his arm talent is is unsurpassed. I, I would say so different was, uh, angles. Yeah, like you can't different like spins. So, you know, typically you're right gonna put hand, your left hands hand. up if you're if you're a defensive lineman. You know, if he's yeah. getting ready to throw the ball, but and you don't he'll know. throw it. He'll throw it around your armpit. Yeah, you don't know where it's coming yeah. from, basically. So it's pretty cool. It's like he's like a uh, he's like a you know I don't know a, a, an elite point guard that you know ball handling point guard. It seems like so he's fun to watch for sure. All right, so uh, the next game is Cleveland at Miami. Miami's good. 
Yeah. They Full are. stop. I don't know what else to say. They look they looked really good in that game. Uh, the offense was just unstoppable. Tua looked sharp. Again, and we brought this up the other day. He is throwing fantastic, like eighty, almost like seventy-two, seventy-five percent mm-hmm. uh, in you know inside of twenty-five yards. He's accurate. He's reading the the, the field well. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Keep I, doing that, I guess. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. And their defenses. I mean, that it's a pretty damn well-rounded team. And if Buffalo keeps playing the way they are, they're gonna have something to say about the AFC. They are East. cycling in um, their defensive linemen like what i would like to see like this where you have like chubb comes in and has a big play right. takes a breather and you're you know ingram comes in and takes his place and you're just yeah. rotating you're moving guys and you're right. stunting and it's really hard for a defense to keep yeah. or hard, an offense to to keep, offensive that. line to keep up with hard that hard to yeah. stop that for sure all right houston at new york giants not a really like fun game i guess but i guess the big story for the new york no, I didn't say Jets. I meant the New York Giants. Uh, the yeah, big story you did for say Giants. Okay. Well, the big story for the New York Giants, for me, as it's been all season, really, is the, their D. They are just holding this thing together, and they're playing yeah. very well, and they're playing inspired, and right. um, they're not giving a whole lot. They look good. A couple um, of takeaways, including one in the red zone. I mean, yeah. just uh, you know, and I think yeah, it's it, the, the story of the Giants is Saquon Barkley and the defense, and that's. That's what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? In it, one sentence. Yeah. Yep. All right. Nothing really much more to nah, kind of, it was a game. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go on to New Orleans at Pittsburgh. Um, man, the big story here is that TJ Watt was back and that was huge for the Pittsburgh D. He really right. does make that kind of difference. That team was playing inspired. When I was looking for games to bet on for this week, I was like, oh man, uh, um, might be some value. Dallas, there. I think, or somebody, no, uh, Cincinnati's only like five point favorites against uh, against Pittsburgh, and I was like, "Oh, but that defense, man! I'm scared of that defense again with T.J. Watt back. He, he, they looked really good. It's crazy. I also thought Kenny uh, Kenny P, who I that's that's my nickname for him. <laughs> Kenny P looked sharp to start the game. Yeah, yeah, um, no, he didn't look bad at all. Seems like he's starting to kind of come. There's some into confidence his, there. The ball's yeah. firing out real, real crisp. He seems decisive about where he's going with it. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. Um, I think he's reading the pressure okay. You know, not bad, even with the small hands. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so Indiana at Las Vegas. Um, there are far too many things wrong with Las Vegas uh, to really talk about it on this podcast. We might have to have a Man. like a like a, a breakout session to kind of talk about that. But Derek Carr needs a counselor ASAP. Well, I heard, I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking potentially like, is he in, will he be with the Raiders next year? And that's an interesting conversation. I think his cap hit isn't that, uh, that huge next year. And, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, they're, they're going to really, restart, restart. Yeah. You got to just rip the poor Devonte Adams. Huh? Man. What about that? Uh, the coach, what's the coach's name from New England? Uh, Josh McDaniels. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. God, that guy's a terrible head coach. He just keeps getting retread, man. It's he's got to figure something out. He's he's got to. I don't know if he can adjust to the players that he has, or whether he comes in with a template and says, right. "I'm going to match all these guys to this template," even though they're not those types of players. Um, I would have thought that he would have learned to be more adaptive, like. It seems that New England Patriots are like I don't care who player plays linebacker. I'm gonna 
develop a scheme to make sure that we utilize them to the best of their ability and we help each other out by scheme and all that kind of other stuff. So I don't know. They don't don't seem disciplined. They don't seem inspired. I think we would uh, be failing at this podcast if we didn't mention Jeff Saturday getting the uh, win as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts there. Yeah, I, I but let's not let's not there's I think there's two plays that defined Indianapolis's game. And the one was a sixty six yard T D run by Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that was, was important. Say that's gotta be. And Matt Ryan's amazing uh thirty nine yard run that set up his only set up uh his only touchdown pass two days later or yeah, two plays, plays later. later. Right. Yeah, so that was on like a cover cover one. And there's mm-hmm. no one covering the right side of the field. And like when you right when, when he decides to go out of balance, he just like dips and yeah. adds up the field. So so to your point, it was the first win for the newly crowned head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I guess good on him. Like cocaine, Jim Irsay, like my guy, man. But now I, you know. It seems like Jeff Saturday is just having a good time with it. Like, what, I mean, he seems like a likable guy and, like, probably can motivate people pretty well. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, what coaching coaching in the NFL is not just, like, showing up on uh, on Monday or whatever, Tuesday, and, and you're the new coach and you're going to just uh, – Well, what we found with the Carolina Panthers is that your head coach gets fired, interim steps up, and the players on the team are trained up enough and good enough to win you a couple of games. And I think that's what we're going to see here. They have a really, really tough opponent coming up uh, with Philadelphia this next yeah, week. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting game this And we'll, we'll see. Philadelphia's injured. There's but some play, still, key players man. missing, but they are a better team and a better roster. Indianapolis has talent, though. That's the thing, man. Like they but have Shaq talent. Leonard's out for the season. That's true. I did just see that today. So there's, so. there's a, there are a lot of holes. Yeah, yeah. No, they do have some holes. But they do have – I mean, offensively, I would think they could – with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I know Michael Pittman's not a, a star-wide receiver by any means, but – I mean, three, bro. I mean, he's probably a two. Uh, but He's a low two. It's like Hollywood too. Brown, too. Yeah, you're probably right. But still, man, with that running game, you'd think that they could open it up a little, a little bit. play action, yeah. create some space, nice yeah. routes. We'll see. We'll see how, how good um, – Well, I'm glad that they, they reinstalled uh, Matt Ryan as a as – He's a, a better player. He's a better he's quarterback a better than whatever – Ellinger or whatever the hell that guy's name is. So. All right. So All right. speaking of good players, or I guess not, maybe, Dallas at Green Bay. So Dallas – in my mind, is still a Ewing Theory team. Uh, Dak's ball looks tight coming out. I just the, the the precision, like when it's if you were just watching a slow motion video of a football in the air, Dax would probably be the best. The unfortunate part about it is that where it lands is in the hands of another of the other team. Right. Um, I'm not sure what he's looking at out there. On the first interception in the end zone, apparently Schultz was supposed to break his route higher to draw the safety up, and Dak tried throwing the under to CeeDee Lamb, but the defender kind of bailed off of Schultz and, and stepped in. He threw another pick to the same guy. Um, I just I don't know what's going on. And it, it, it comes at these inopportune moments. Obviously, red zone, interception, and then I think the next uh, series – as they were coming down and driving down the field, he throws it again. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just – I, yeah, I watched a bit of this game, but not a whole lot. And 
just I'm not I'm not impressed by coaching decisions by Dallas. I mean, they let but Green Bay should have lost that game like four different times, and they yeah they they kept but good on them that they they keep fighting keep fighting. Yeah. Christian Watkins uh, looked pretty good catching three touchdown passes from uh, Aaron Rodgers and and I mean yeah I mean. I, my uh, my hot take of uh, of the year on Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers is starting to turn around a little bit on me here. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll but see. We'll see. I I always, I mean, I think he, I think he has the skill. Like I said, my my hot take the other day was like I just think he's trying to tank on purpose. Like he's, right. and you could tell early on, like he throws the ball out of bounds instead of hitting the guy across the front. He goes ahead and executes a uh, a short. Um, fourth down conversion where they where he gets the call to throw the ball as opposed to run the ball and they've been killing him in the run all day yeah. and he goes to the side sideline and yells at Matt LaFleur like what are we doing <laughs> and I just go he's executing the play even though he knows it's not the right one to do so to me that's him trying to bury his coach so I Dude. watch out for that a little bit okay yeah, that, that's a good take I like it all right um Arizona at the Rams so battle of the backups here uh, both teams had their starting QBs out to injury. Stafford with a concussion and Kyler Murray with a hamstring. Arizona seems to be yet another Ewing Theory team. I'm, I'm not saying McCoy is better than Kyler. Please. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but there is definitely some pass plays over the middle that we don't see when Kyler's starting. So Russell Wilson has that same problem. Um, it seems like pass plays that are on, that he can consistently hit are on the outside of the hash marks. Now, I sent you a picture of a sample of the pass stats or the pass chart right. uh, for Kyler Murray. And you'll notice there is nothing past five yards from the line of scrimmage that is inside the hash marks, or actually even really inside the numbers. Everything that he throws is short on, on the outside. It's like a big V from the line of scrimmage where he takes the he takes the snap. So I really think teams can play to that weakness. They keep him in the pocket so he can't get out and make plays on the outside and force him to look down the middle. And if he has to hesitate, it's a sack or, you know, he's throwing the ball out of bounds. They have the most delay of games. They have the most intentional groundings. So, I mean, that's, yeah. it's disaster unless they figure out a way to get him out in space immediately and not having him scramble. And we, you know, we saw this a lot with Russell Wilson. He wouldn't, wouldn't use the middle of the field because he, you know, if he couldn't that, see, he can't see it. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. He can't. And these guys that are really uh, thinking about their legacy, I think Kirk Cousins, in fact, is one of them. It's really tough to tell them, just throw it. They'll be there. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that that's the thing. There's a reason there's only there's been so few really good short quarterbacks in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. I mean, sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I I, I was uh, I was impressed by the Cardinals coming out and winning that game. But I mean, it's battle of the backup quarterbacks. Neither of them look good. Um, but, I really thought Arizona had a chance here. Obviously, I bet on them. Right. Um, to me, uh, the Rams look really, really bad. They do. I, I can't I, on both sides of the field. They and look discombobulated. I, I mean, Ramsey's running out. around there stopping people from time to time, but he can't be everywhere, and he gets lazy sometimes. And Aaron Donald, you haven't really heard about him. Like, I don't know if he just got. I mean, it, I, here's what I think: 
he is getting double and triple teamed. He's not getting yeah. the numbers because no one else is putting pressure in to, 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 to slide those offensive linemen. Right. And he just, like, at some point, you just put your hands up. I'm not moving another inch no matter what I do because I have three dudes on me. Yeah, that's probably true. And then you start to lose that motivation, that fire, because you just know you're going to get, you know. Right. It's too no, much. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Next game, the Chargers at San Francisco. Um, man, there's not much to discuss regarding the Chargers, from my opinion. Um, they had a great opening drive, but after that, they didn't do much. Uh, Justin um, Herbert was under pressure the entire game. Um, and the 49ers defense pitched a shutout in the second half, allowing only 52 yards. I mean, to me, that's the game. Yeah. Was this a, was this a Sunday night game? Or yeah, this is the one we were watching we while we were eating yeah. enchiladas and we stuff. Were, uh, yeah, so it was Mike's birthday this week, so uh, his his beautiful wife Angie made uh, made some delicious enchiladas, and they came over and we uh, had a little, I guess, birthday dinner for Mike. Hanging and, out, yeah. yeah. Hanging out, watching, watching football the game, game. and uh, it's a good time, yeah, for sure. So happy birthday, Thank Mike. You. Thank you. But yeah, this game was, uh, you know, I, I did notice while we were watching it at one point, and this was one of my hot takes, but I'm just going to use it now. Like I saw, and I pointed it out to you and you were like, I don't know if he was really wobbly, but Justin Herbert got cleaned up mm. on a play. I'm not sure who hit him, but he got really leveled and kind of, I think it was almost like a, a high low, or maybe it was his offensive lineman kind of was getting pushed back so far that he tripped him and he got hit high by the defender. But he definitely – Is that the one where he's like almost folded? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he almost got folded in half. And he gets he, – he is down and he kind of like rolls over and like gets up onto one knee and is about to start standing up. And you see Austin Eckler come mm, over and put, put his the, hand yep. on his shoulder That's and right, say, I remember that. don't get up. Yep. Right? And he like looks up at him and, and he's, you, you, can tell, you can tell Austin Eckler saying That was right before the half. Right. And so they – so he waited about 30 seconds before he finally stood up. And then it was like, you know, kind of like make sure his, his uh, marbles are back in place or whatever. He, stand, he stands up and he's okay. But I was like, man, that's, you know, those guys know. Like, I mean, the, the other members of the team have to know that, like, if, if they see you wobbling at all when you stand up, then you're out of the game. So stay on your knee. Let's make sure you're okay. Get your head right. As best you can. So, and that and the, is that good or is that bad? Because you can probably shake off a, a mild concussion pretty quick, you know? Like you've seen, I mean, Tua was able to, even though he was wobbling like crazy when he first got up on that, that the first concussion that he had. Right. Uh, you know, he stayed in the game and played the rest of the game. So obviously, he was no, they took to him out again until the second half. He came out in the second half of that game. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And he, so they, they did, and they pulled Herbert out for, I think they must have like seen something. Yep. So they did. Because I was like, wow, they're not even going to pull him that out. That halftime um, conversation at the sideline reporter, he was like, oh, yes, Herbert's Staley. Yeah, he's like, fine. Herbert's there. He's coming yeah, out. He's fine. Don't he's worry about it. back. Yeah, the, the coach of uh, Brandon Staley, I think. Now, yeah. I still have a couple of questions about the 49ers. Okay. We've talked about them as the quintessential uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team. You never know which team's going to show up. It, it really depends on if it's a home game or an away game for them. Right. Um, to me – there it's really two things for them their team health who's going to take the field and 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 what level and how available they are right and also uh, their quarterback to me garoppolo can raise the floor of a bad to average team but 
for a good to great team like San Francisco, I think he lowers their ceiling. I think so, I, I couldn't have said that better myself. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree with so that. So I think they're limited, you know, by him as right. to how far they can go. They can have an amazing running game. They got made a great acquisition, and they're wasting that. They have a great defense that's really tough, tough, to, tough, tough to move against. Right. But if they can't do anything other than run and play defense, Garoppolo's got to make some plays. And he just throws, you know, he's like shooting for gophers out there. Yeah. No, it's it's true, man. He's, uh, he's definitely going to lose them an important game. I think they, they, you know, I wouldn't, if you told me that, they're coming out of the NFC. I wouldn't be shocked. Like there, I feel like there's ten teams that could come out of the NFC, and I wouldn't be like mind blown that they made it to the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Last game of Week Ten was Washington at Philadelphia. This is a bad one for me. Uh, the C word shocked the world and beat Philly. Um, D didn't look very good. They couldn't stop the run. Um, Washington dominated the line of scrimmage, both offensive and defensively, and uh, just I love Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, or Tyler. Uh, is it Tyler? I like or Taylor? it. No, it's Taylor. Yeah, doesn't matter. I like them both. He won't be here next season. Yeah, I know. It's a but. I I really hope they don't bring Carson Wentz back in. Carson Wentz is a freaking pile of crap, man. He's not good. Nope. And this kid, like they, they're three and one with him as the starting quarterback this year. I think it's a little Ewing theory. I mean, you can find ways as things tighten up. You can find ways. Here's the thing that I like. The team rallies behind him. You yeah. can see that. Um, when he came in um, the, the first game after Wentz went out, I could see it on the sideline. I could see guys coming over and congratulating him when he had a great pass and a touchdown. Yeah. And there was a lot of interaction from not just the offensive, not this receiver that caught the touchdown, but also the defensive backs would come over. Yeah. The offensive lines or you know, patting him on his uh, shoulder pads. I think that's huge. And I don't think Wentz brings that to the table. Yeah, I think you are 100% right about that. But, yeah, terrible game. I mean, it just wasn't wasn't even really that fun to watch. I mean, I you know, that the whole thing, all the way to the end when the defender for uh, Philly was trying to hold up at the end there, and he, he like, was on his knees and, like, still smacked uh, – Still smacked uh, Taylor Heineke when he uh, went to the ground, and and uh, just wasn't the, wasn't really the you know the ending we would have hoped to see. You know, I mean, not not even hoped to see. I just would have liked to see Philly get the ball back one more time, see if they can can come back. You know. But, yeah, I flipped over to where the crawdads sing on Netflix. Oh, I watched that, and I wasn't I wasn't crying, but there's just stuff in the air. Crying? I like I almost started crying at the end of that movie. Man, I didn't realize you were so Terrible. emotional, man. That's cool. Showing your vulnerable uh, side. It's cool. Like Shree was like, "Thank you for putting this movie on. I really appreciate it." It's like, <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Anyway. Well, that's the games for week ten. Let's uh, talk a little about about uh, week eleven. Things that we're looking forward to, perhaps, and maybe some bets that we're making. Why don't you start us off? All right. So the three games that I'm looking forward to this week, Mike. Not necessarily that I'm betting on. And there was it was hard to find games to bet on this week. Like I did not enjoy looking for them. <sighs> anyway, it's getting rough. Yeah. Uh, so my the three games I'm really looking forward to this week. I want to see the Titans and the Packers on Thursday night football. I want to see how. Green Bay responds to getting a W um, after, I guess, losing four or five games in a row. 
uh, up, up until last week. Um, I want to see Cowboys Vikings kind of for the same reason. I just keep waiting for the Vikings to not, be, you know, not do well. And I'm really interested to see what Kirk Cousins and the uh, Minnesota offense can do against that Dallas defense and Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons really didn't show up in this last game at all. Right after we hand him the NFL Defensive Player of the Year midseason award. I mean, we have that game. Um, you run away from him. Yeah, it's true. He was in pass protect a lot. Yeah. He wasn't on the on the line. So they're moving him around a lot. I mean, I think that's a question. Like, Dan Quinn, are you, you giving him the ability to run around and decide where he needs to be? Right. Or are you switching up your scheme based on what you think you're seeing and the type of defense or the game plan that you have for the for your opponent? Very and, true. you know, who knows what's going into that. But yeah, and then, I'm not going to take that away from him at right. this point. No, 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 definitely not. That was one game. Uh, and then my third game that I'm uh, interested to see, and it was, it was slim pickings at this point, and that was uh, the Chiefs and Chargers. I just want to see, you know, I mean, the Chiefs are – I love watching Patrick Mahomes play quarterback. And yeah, I, that's I just, fun. I would like – like, it seems like the Chargers should be the natural kind of – you know, kryptonite to this, this, uh, or, or, or the best rival there in the AFC West for, for this team. Who's and Justin Herbert sta- throwing to? That's the problem. Up. That's true. I think, didn't, uh, Keenan Allen come back last week? No, damn it. Eventually, man, he's got to get back out there. Well, you'd the think so, but I mean, we've been saying that for three years now. That's true. All right. So a lot of good games. Um, so to your point, I have, uh, I put some money on, uh, Tennessee, the money line, tennis, Tennessee's money line at Grant Gr- green Bay. Taking a shot there that Green Bay's not as good as they were last week and rallied for that Dallas win. And, and who's favorite and in that Ma- one? And McCarthy. Uh, it's Green Bay. Green Bay's favorite. So, um, I, I got, like that bet a lot. I'm uh, plus 136. And then um, Cleveland at Buffalo. Um, I got the Buffalo money line there. And the over of 47. That's plus 122. Okay. Uh, my second parlay is... Uh, Chicago money line at Atlanta. I'm looking for Justin Fields to have a field day against that D, and absolutely nothing from Mariota. Uh, Dallas at Minnesota. I got the Minnesota money line. Uh, that parlay is plus 380. And then I call this my Big Apple parlay. So I got Jets money line and Ooh. Giants money line plus 282. Like it. And my final one, Arizona plus eight. At San Francisco with the under 43 and a half plus 222. Okay. All right. I, I like those. I'm, I'm not, uh, not against any of those bets. Um, I, so I took, and I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm going New York Giants minus three at home against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've bet against Detroit the last three weeks. This will be my third week betting against them. Has Lost that worked the previous out? previous two. Okay. Uh, you just... <laughs> yeah, I'm just a glutton for punishment. Um, I'm taking Chicago plus three at Atlanta. I just, after watching that Atlanta game, I cannot bet for them ever again until it's, at least it's until it's Desmond hard. Ritter's in there yeah. and, and actually doing well and proving himself. And then I took Washington minus three at Houston. Um, I just I like the way ta- Taylor Heineke is playing. I I mean not that he's even doing much, but the the uh, the running game looks great with uh, Brian Robinson, the the rookie that got shot, and uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of that uh, that combination. The the 
they just look good. I think they're, I think, and uh, Chase, uh, who's the number two pick a couple Chase years. Young. Chase Young's coming back this week, I heard. Or potentially. I, 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 well, I expect him to play like only like 25% oh, of the yeah, snaps. Yeah, probably. You know, but still, that's going to be like a boost for the defense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So. so those are my three picks. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see I'll, how that works yeah, next week. And I'll have Tune my, in. Uh, I'll have my updated, uh, <laughs> my in. updated uh, winnings uh, total at, at that point. So. All right, so Jeremy, you sent me uh, the question of the week today. Uh, that question is, what teams are legitimate Super Bowl contenders in each conference? All right, so here's what I put together. AFC, I have Kansas City, Buffalo, and Baltimore. I don't even know if you can go Baltimore there, but... I think they're ready. I think they're right there. Yeah, okay. um, NFC, I have Philadelphia, Dallas, Minnesota, and I'm throwing Tampa Bay in there because we're only talking about going to the Super Bowl and Tom Brady and that roster healthy, hitting a good run. Give me those four in the playoffs. Philadelphia, Dallas, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay. You don't think San Francisco fits in there? I'll get to them in a second. Okay. So, KC, I mean, they are KC. To me, they're the best team in the AFC right now. Buffalo, best roster in the AFC. They have Josh Allen, but he's in this weird like blackout mode right now. I think you know Yolo. I think it was a Yolo Allen they call him. Like just not. I don't know what's going on with him. If right. he fixes that, obviously they have a chance. And the reason I pick Baltimore is because again, like their running game's not quite there. They they got some injuries and they're fighting through this. And they're what six and three or you know seven and three, and they're right there. Yeah, and that defense is getting better. They made some good you know, pickups over um, at the trading deadline. So I kind of snuck them in as, as an opportunity uh, because the top of the AFC is pretty good, but, you know, the middle to the bottom is, is you know, average, I guess. Now, let's do Philly. Philly's 8-1. and one. I think it's the best team in the NFC. Um, the game plan switches. They can play anybody, anywhere, any style. They, they mix it up. Um, I think they're well coached. Um, I like their roster when they're healthy. Uh, they do have flaws. They have trouble stopping the run. Tackling's been a big issue for them. They run a particular style of defense that really requires that nose tackle that to, to blow that middle up. And without uh, Jordan Davis in there, they haven't seen a lot of success. So I expect once we get him back, it'll be a different story uh, than what we saw this last week. Um, Dallas, I think, is flawed. They have a tough time kind of stopping the the run on defense. Dak, I'm not again. I'm not sure about Dak, right. and I'm not sure if he's there. Um, That's how I am with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota too. I feel I have similar same feelings thing. about exactly. And it's that, just I think that I think that Dallas has better supporting cast on offense to me. Um, no, or actually, never mind. No, no, no. No hey, way. But Dallas, I meant Dallas has a better defense. Yes. Minnesota has a better offensive supporting cast around their guy. So it's like I'm I'm so torn on both of those two I'm teams. I'm thinking about Prescott and some of the stuff that he did and the picks that he threw. I wonder how much of that is his receivers not being where they're supposed to be. Right. CeeDee Lamb, oftentimes considered a two, not a one. Maybe a top end right. two, but not really a one. Um, so there might be some issues with who he's got as a receiver right now. 
Uh, Tony Pollard is definitely the best running back they have, but he has issues in the passing game. That's what's so great about Zeke. He's really good at blocking and doing all the things that he needs to do to support his quarterback in the passing game. Right. Obviously, he's not missed a, two or three games in a row. Right. Now, so they so. so on third down plays, they have to bring. I don't even know who this guy's name is. Thirty five into the game to basically yeah. sit there and 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 block, and block people and potentially go out for a pass. So that's a problem, right? Because you kind of show your hand in those circumstances. So if they can if they can get Pollard up to par with being able to to read those blitzes and get in position, that might be a game changer. But right now, that's a significant gap. That's like right. showing, like a lineman showing, like I'm. You know, three-point stance is going to be a run. I'm standing up. It's going to be a pass type of yeah. thing. All right. Um, Tampa, again, I'll just say got Tom Brady, healthy team. You know, we'll see. Now, right. the winners, I think, are different. I think there's only really three people that can win this right now. And that's KC, Buffalo, and Philly. I think those are the teams that have, are less flawed. They all have one little thing or something, something they need to tweak a little bit. But yeah. I think those are your, if I was a betting man, um, I would bet those three. Okay. And then these are the teams I'm keeping my eye on. Miami. Yeah. I would say, yeah. I see. I would have them up there maybe even over Baltimore. I think they're a better team than Baltimore. I don't know if they're a better team top to bottom than Baltimore. But. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And the, to me, I just I don't trust him yet. I don't trust Tua yet. I mean, the right. defense is not as good as Baltimore. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that matters. Um, as we get farther into the year. Also, San Francisco. We talked about, you know, the ceiling for Garoppolo. If he finds a way to play out of his mind for like three or four games in a row, you know, four games out of six, something like that, and that defense really steps up and that running game really steps up, I think they have an opportunity to get in there as well. Okay. There you go. All right. I like it. Cool. I like it. All right. Take corner. So to start this off, I've decided to retire um, the Zach Wilson watch uh, be- because he didn't have any sacks or interceptions this week. So you want to, you just are stopping it because uh, it's a fair weather fair weather stoppage. No, he was on a bye, so oh, right. okay. that's why he didn't throw any picks or get take any sacks. I know. All right, so don't let him let him go beat uh, Buffalo and uh, we'll see him. We might bring it back to Patriots we'll, in we, three consecutive. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx the the big apple parlay. Yeah, but no doubt. I've I've moved in here and I put Justin Fields watch in here, aka Fields of Dreams. All right, so that's um, this week. He went twelve for 60 percent completion, one hundred and sixty seven yards passing. Not a ton, but two touchdowns. Uh, one interception we we mentioned, uh, three sacks for 17 yards. Um, the last one was the big one for yards wise because he was trying to move around and you know make things happen downfield. But he did have 147 yards rushing, two TDs. Not too bad. Yeah, I, you know I really think that the yardage thing too, man, is is starting to go out the window. Like the the way that the teams are playing defense, like we've talked about, like it's almost shocking if a, if a player gets over 300 yards right now passing wise i mean i know like uh kansas city uh mahomes goes over way over every every week but they're like a pass there's not many pass first offenses right now so that I, are successful anyway and you're right so i was re i was listening to this thing on twitter watching this thing on twitter and uh 
Orlovsky was talking about that the average um, pass yard per play is at 11 yards per, per pass on average across the NFL. Okay. That is the lowest since 1933. Whew. In 1933, they threw the ball like what four times a game? <laughs> yeah, combined. And but the the rushing uh, was up um, to 4.5, which is the highest it's ever been in the history of right of the NFL. Wow. So to your point, that's the trend that's happening. So it's yeah. exciting to see what's happening. And we all can, you know, they got, you know, two high safeties. We got smaller linebackers. We got smaller linemen that were designed to, like, chase quarterbacks down. And now mm-hmm. we've decided to pivot a little bit and start, you know, running counters and um, things like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to it's Game it's is changing fun. a bit. I'm, I'm enjoying I, it. I think it's a spike. I think teams will adjust once we oh, see they this. Always, yeah, they always We'll see how it goes. So, yeah, it'd be fun to see how they, they respond. So in addition to those things, I've noticed a couple other things. So let me know if you've, you've seen this as well. I've seen a lot of centers lately bobbing their heads before the snap. So you know how the silent count goes, right? The, the quarterback taps their foot and like the left guard or right guard kind of stares at him, do it. And when he does it, they, they put their hand straight out in front of it so that the, the center can see and then the ball is snapped. Right. But I'm seeing this trend where the center like does a little bob before he shoots yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And I want, you remember back in the day when centers used to do that and they used to call false start because it was drawing the defensive guy off, off, right. um, uh, off sides. I'm wondering if that's being talked about in the halls of the NFL right now, like whether they're going to start sending memos out like watch the head bob of the center and then they're going to start nailing them for that I could be there was a couple that i saw that were really close to like a head bob a head bob yeah and then a snap i did too and i i i may have even seen one it might have been in college football though that that they did call a, a false start on the center for doing that yeah not relevant here so, though yeah I just can't remember who was in the NFL. Yeah, no, no, I'm just joking with you. All right. So the other thing I noticed was NFL players are flopping like soccer players now. (laughs) And it's just try to get those 15-yard penalties. And it's just like the weirdest thing. And they got smiles on their faces. It's all fun and games. But it just kind of looks ridiculous. There was one a couple weeks ago where the guy like fell down like he got shot. And like barely even got touched. It was the funniest thing. into the left. Yeah. Back into the left. (laughs) Fucking Sabruder fan. Oh, man. All right, cool. Those are my like weird observations this week. Now, I have a controversial take for you. Okay. And I'm not sure how much you're going to like this, but I got let's, some evidence. Let's hear it. Okay. Let's hear it. I think it's time to have, is DK Metcalf even good conversation? Okay. He already has six drops this year. And is, in the season with the most drops, 2020, he had eight all year. Ooh. He is ninth in targets and 18th in receptions. Converting 68 targets into only 42 receptions. That's a 62% efficiency rate. Watching the games, it doesn't seem like he runs the routes. He doesn't create separation. He seems to try to brute force the defender. So there's a couple of things, a couple of uh, plays I want to talk about. That quote-unquote corner route that should have been back shoulder where he's playing outside leverage, going to the corner, and then he runs right into the defensive back. Instead of kind of trying to move him on the inside and then spin back to that back shoulder throw, he just brute forces that and then turns around. I mean, the defender is right up on him. He initiated contact, so he's not going to get a PI call. 
and the defender knocks the ball down and he just he basically goes, hey what I'm like right. I don't know what he's doing out there they don't have him running routes like you look at AJ Brown yeah he's running all it they got him lined up in the slot they got him lined up on either side he's running posts he's running outs he's running crosses he's running all of these things it seems like the only thing there's like two routes it seems that um that he runs it's that 10 7 yard out and it's um a go route a go route yeah i mean that was always the knock on him coming out of college and that's why he fell to the second round uh was because he doesn't they they criticized his his route running and you know i mean yeah i i can't argue the drops he's definitely drops and play he, he gets you know ridiculous personal foul or unsportsmanlike conduct penalties at the most inopportune times um i don't yeah, think I mean, he's coachable because i'm not seeing improvement i heard somebody uh or i saw somebody tweet out the other day like oh god dk metcalf dyed his hair blue now we're all fucked or something like that i, was, I don't know why this like in a positive or negative no way. in a negative way okay. like uh like i knew or they they're here like, we go. i knew it was yeah i knew it was going <laughs> things were going off the rails or something so um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to argue with those. I mean, I, you know, it's fun seeing him catch a ball and like turn and you see most receivers like get a couple yards and then duck out of bounds before any contact. And he like lines up the cornerback ahead of him and just goes straight through him. And that's fine. He did that twice where right. he got like three or four yards after he pushed the guy back right. that far. Which but what happens, that's fun to see. But, yeah, yeah, but what, I mean, if he, what if he does that and occasionally uses a little finesse, maybe takes a different trajectory and, and gets you know another 10 yards going right. in or fakes in and goes out and tries to avoid that contact in order to get you know downfield a little bit more. And maybe he's trying to set that, get that on film so that people are going to think that he's just going to do that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, he needs work. I mean, he's got – there's room for improvement without a doubt. So, yeah. I just don't know if – I mean, he has to improve in my opinion. If it, like, like, I would – I'm not sure I, like, want him on the roster. Like, I don't know if I re-sign him. I mean, he's – yeah, he's under contract for three more years after this year for three more years. So, we'll see. I mean, hopefully he figures it out and, and can, uh, you know, start running more – crisp routes and making better decisions but uh, i guess we'll see so did you have any other no that was it for me takes okay so my um my kind of uh take corner topic this week is that there is only one elite quarterback in the nfl and that's obviously patrick mahomes sure i think as we stand right now like the pyramid the the nfl quarterback pyramid if you have one on top and then like the next two i would i would honestly say is jalen hurts and Tua tagovailoa the way they're playing right now versus no the way you still putting josh allen ahead yeah. of both of them or just one of them well i mean it's only one man so if you're putting two in the next level down i would replace one probably Tua. okay I mean, Tua, Tua's had a year, man. Not saying he Undefeated hasn't, but I just I don't know if I – and that's – I'm all, just talking about this, like, up until this point. Because, like, obviously I, I, up until, like, three weeks ago, Josh Allen was, like, 1A. It was 1A, 1B with him and Patrick Mahomes. But he has played so poorly. 
in these last like three well, weeks. Well, let's let's be clear on what we mean by poorly. He's still outplaying ninety percent of other quarterbacks. All the other quarterbacks, yards, all that. But he's we are holding him to a standard where if he just keeps his cool a couple of those plays, he he takes his team to a win. True. He tapes his team to a Super Bowl. So he needs to calm down with that shit. That that's yeah. I think the thing with him. Do I would I put him better or put Tua better than him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. I don't know if I'd call him elite yet though. To you, to your point. Yeah. But he's yeah, definitely, he's definitely tier not, two. Yeah. Okay. I yeah I have him just I have him on the top of that third tier. I just I'm sold on Tua right now. But I mean obviously it's there's a long ways to go. Just an FYI, you're allowed to disagree with me. Oh, I am. I am. <laughs> So, yeah, that that was my one. And then my other one, obviously, was that I already kind of mentioned that Justin Herbert. Like, I wonder how detrimental that that the players now know, like, hey, I better stay down because like, he was going to get up. And he looked a little wobbly, like rolling over and getting up onto his knee to me, which is what kind of prompted this whole this whole portion of my my hot take. But it's just, you know is is the player other players like kind of getting him to stay down is that going to eventually backfire one day and and have a have a serious in, injury like, like i mean i sup- it's, i don't know it's like cops figure out some other sly way people are moving drugs across the true, you know true. the border i mean whatever whatever that the teams or the players are going to do to try to circumvent the the concussion protocol to get a player they're going to try to do it right it's their job to figure it out um not every team or player has an Austin Eckler that's smart enough to like stay down so we'll we'll, we'll see how that works but that's an interesting thought though yeah all right um so yeah you want to we move it on to our uh diversity diversity section section? I'll let you start off I got a long one um I'll let you kind of clear your your list and then we'll get into mine and finish and wrap up okay um so I have three of them uh first one I watched on Hulu a documentary called God Forbid, The Sex Scandal That Brought Down a Dynasty, uh, directed by Billy Corbin, oh, who, right, right. who directed... Rankin Core, Rankin Core, that's his production company. Oh, is that? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the one that made, yeah, Cocaine Cowboys, uh, The U, The U, uh, the, the, the U uh, Screwball, that was uh, a, an interesting kind of look at uh, steroids. Um, I love the kids that he put in there yeah, when they're doing so the dub great. overs. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and this, so this is about the uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, sex scandal that came out a few years ago, where essentially he's a cut. a pool boy at some like fancy hotel in Miami was approached by Jerry Falwell Jr.'s wife and said, uh, you know, how would you like to come to my room? But my husband wants to watch. And he was just like, all right, I guess. And then they start flying this kid around with them everywhere. He's like the same age as their kids. He's getting invited to the weddings. He's like hanging out with their kids. All kinds of creepy shit. Um, Bonkers. And like, and he gets to meet uh, Trump before he's running for president. They do. They're doing some business. So the, the, the Falwells want to help this kid do some business dealings in Miami. He approaches a childhood friend, who whose dad is a real kind of sketchy character, um, and they so they facilitate this uh, biz, uh, uh, real estate transaction. The, the the childhood friend and his father 
and then they they think something's weird about this and i the kid probably told his friend like i'm you know having sex with this lady or something because what 20 year old can you know you're probably telling your friends some crazy shit like that and they came at the fall the so this father and son came at the fallwells and tried to sue them well michael cohen trump's lawyer and yeah. a fixer, fixer got involved yeah. and so basically the kid is alluding that he thinks the only reason fallwell endorsed trump and he like stuck by trump after the grab him by the pussy comments and all that stuff was and he was like the first one out like defending like well it's you know we all say things sometimes we don't mean it was all because cohen had this dirt on on the fall Let, let's not so. forget to everyone out there listening to this as they're enjoying college football on saturday Afternoon. Liberty, University. Liberty University was the university started by Jerry Falwell yeah. Jr. And it's wild that place. And so Jerry Falwell Jr. was the head of that place. After all this this stuff comes out uh, in the media a few years later, he basically blames his wife and says, "I'm you know in his uh, in his de- declaration that he was stepping down as the the president of Liberty University says." due to my wife's indiscretions i'll be stepping down from the university like he, he just would not admit that he was ever watching this stuff happen just from a trebuchet and, uh, under the bus crazy so anyway very interesting though like and i, I i'm I, I love billy corbin's documentaries anyway really they're him, they're really yeah. good so <clears throat> i i put that one i, I suggest anybody go take a take a watch any other one. controversial stuff going on uh you know the my next one, Mike, Washington Huskies. Oh, that was fun. Beat the Oregon Ducks 37-34 in Eugene, Oregon on Saturday. Number six, Oregon, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to take a minute to say, screw Oregon. Well, we... S- screw Phil Knight. Oh, come on. Screw Justin Herbert, Neil Everett, Sabrina Ionescu, Marcus Mariota, Patrick Harrington's cousin, Joey Harrington. Actually, screw Patrick Herring- Patrick Harrington too. Uh, down Dan Fouts, we didn't forget about you. Screw you. Jeez. Uh, Legarrette Blunt, Achilles Smith, Dennis Dixon, and anyone else associated with Oregon football. You are a severe hater. All of you. Severe hater. All of you. And we did watch that game on my cell phone. We ended up having to put the end of it on your cell phone. I don't want to talk about it. I, we don't need to talk about that on the. Uh, on the podcast, it could lead to legal, legal issues. Um, it's a bunch uh, of sip issues. And then, uh, anyway, that game though led directly into uh, watching UFC 281, where Israel Adesanya, who's one of my favorite fighters, is dominating this fight against Alex Perea, uh, who's the only person that's ever beat Israel Adesanya in a fight. And it was obviously it wasn't uh, in the UFC, but it was back when they were both in kickboxing. And Adesanya is walking away with this fight, we dominating. He beat me. Dominating the fight, and the fifth round, he he doesn't just kind of dance around and and play it easy. He goes, you know, there's, he's still fighting, and gets just caught with a couple shots and knocked the f out. So, it happens, man. That's what's great about UFC, and I guess bad too if you really are supporting a particular man. Yeah, it was, or, or it person, was a fun, rather, fun fight, though. Great but, fight. Yeah, but those little – you can get caught at any moment and you go down or you get – you know, ta- you, you have a pin or something. Right. It just – yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. 
So, all right, that, that was all I had. What, what, what are you going into here? All right, so one of the things that we talked about last week um, was Kyrie Irving and his little con- – I guess he didn't even make a comment. He just posted something with no real context or didn't say anything, and it's causing him some problems. And we talked about – I kind of went on a bit of a rant, you know, and one of them was I talked about Joe Sy. Yeah. And how he was like one or two degrees away from espionage or something like that. <laughs> so um, I've, I went out and found, found some information. I'm basing this kind of off of this Jalen Brown quote, you know, the small forward for the, uh, the Boston Celtics. Our society has to do work, including Joe Sy. I mean, he's responding to Kyrie Irving. Right. It's 2022. It takes 10 minutes of time to see who these business owners, corporations, who they're associated with. All right. So let's do a quick deep dive into who Josai is. He was born in Taiwan, January of 1964. His parents had emigrated uh, there during, during the, excuse me if I mess this up, Komoteng exodus in 1949 after the communist party took over mainland china at age 13 he was sent to the united states for an education eventually attending yale university his father's alma mater currently he holds a citizenship in china specifically hong kong and canada Uh, he eventually passed the new york bar and became an investment banker with a company called investor ab he was the vice president and general counsel uh, for that company, uh, and he was earning upwards of about 700k a year. In 1999, while in um, in China, Sai met a person called Jack Ma, and was so impressed by his idea to start an international import-export marketplace, kind of like a Chinese eBay, if you will. Okay. That he partnered with Ma and 16 other investors to start a company called Alibaba. Heard of it. All right. Sai was Alibaba's first COO, CFO, and its founding board member. He single-handedly established its financial and legal structures and eventually became the second largest individual shareholder behind Jack Ma. All right. There's the rundown. Any questions so far about kind of the timeline of, of Joe Sai? All right. Now, here's Alibaba and the Chinese government. All right, the Chinese government has created a closed economy. We all kind of know that. This makes it very difficult for foreign companies to exist within its borders. It is no secret that China has been uh, focusing on making the yuan, uh, the currency of, of the global economy, overtaking the dollar, the U.S. dollar specifically. Right. Alibaba has recovered, uh, has received special treatment that has allowed it to build its brand awareness throughout the global economy. Essentially, the Chinese government's building it up. Uh, and they do that um, by continuing to reinforce uh, Alibaba's dominance and by using uh, the Alibaba platforms to facilitate its interagency transfer. Okay. So the, federal, the, the Chinese government's literally using Alibaba's ability to move goods and services and financial and money and just basically it's a closed loop where they're just feeding them with money. Wow. All right, I had another thing here. Okay, so companies like Google and Facebook have tried to enter the Chinese market, but have a really tough time competing um, due to selective discrimination 
and the demands of privacy violations by the government authorities. In fact, Google had left China because they refused to provide access to customer user data to the Chinese government. So essentially part of doing business when you're in China is that you have to hand over your customer or user data. Right. A lot of American companies don't want to do that. Ironically. Makes, makes sense. <laughs> so almost every single aspect of Alibaba is owned and controlled and propped up by the Chinese government. As a result of this massive influx of government-supported capital, Alibaba has been on a buying spree buying up competitors of its payment services in India and China. They're accumulating and deepening their investments in cloud computing companies. For example, Alenium, which is setting up a cloud computing centers in the Middle East, Singapore, Japan, and Europe. So that's the next big thing. Okay. So instead of, we're, instead of just having user browser data, metadata there, we're gonna capture all of the data in our cloud computing platforms. Wow. So. Uh, the Communist Party of China has managed to build Alibaba into one of the world's largest brands. Under its usual cloak and dagger secrecy and without seemingly any scrutiny from Western governments as to what it all means for the global economy, the financial markets, or the future of cloud computing and artificial intelligence. That's scary. This means that China has access to personal use of data of billions of people across the world and God knows what else they can do or access. So enjoy your TikTok. That's also owned by a Chinese company. Yeah. That's yeah, TikTok freaks me out too, man. I I signed up and then I immediately deleted it. So one of the things that I see with this kind of stuff is eventually you get this level involved or intertwined with a with the government. You have certain powers. Things have to be done. People have to go, whether they like it or not. Companies right. have to be bought and sold, whether they like it or not. It's just what happens. Yeah, I understand. That's uh, that's scary, man, to be thinking about that. That is like implementing or you know infiltrating our our sports world, let alone our our markets here in the U.S. as well. So next time we think about. Uh, the Kyrie Irving situation and what he should or should not say. Uh, I'm not a supporting what he said or what he's posted or anything like that or any of his responses. It's just a dude. But when we start thinking about that stuff, let's think about Joe Sy and him taking this super high, you know, level uh, position on this. Let's let's start to scrutinize what his life looks like as well. I agree. That's uh yeah, it's not a bad. That's a really good take, Mike. I like that. That's why I love doing this podcast, man. It's just like you you, know, you always come with some some outside some the box stuff. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, is that is that that's your last it. That's one? I mean, that's all I had. I love it. Bandwidth yeah. for this week. <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. Yeah, it was a it was a good week though, no doubt. And uh, we'll we'll be back next week with uh. I guess what episode twelve? Looking looking back at week eleven, right before uh, Thanksgiving. You nailed it. And uh, yeah, we if you guys could listen, like, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. Once again, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Jeremy, no system of mass surveillance has existed in any society that we know of to this point that has not been abused. Facts. All right.